What is ISO in photography? All you need to know. Hi, and a very warm welcome to episode 157 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host, Rick, and in each episode, I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27 minutes-ish without the irrelevant details. I'm a professionally qualified photographer based in England with a lifetime of photographic experience which I share with you on my podcast. Right, here is the answery bit. Brace yourselves. ISO in photography refers to the sensitivity of the camera sensor to light. ISO is a camera setting that allows you to make a picture brighter or darker. The ISO setting helps you to use different apertures and shutter speed combinations to get the correct exposure in varying lighting conditions. The ISO setting enables you to use faster shutter speeds in low light conditions. The ISO setting enables you to use faster shutter speeds in low light conditions. ISO is one of the three elements of the exposure triangle, the others being aperture and shutter speed. The aperture and shutter speed control the amount of light that reaches the camera sensor. ISO changes how the sensor processes the light, making an image brighter or darker. Yep, that's right. Lower ISO settings give higher quality images than higher ISO settings. Higher ISO settings can introduce digital noise into photos. Changing the ISO does not change the sensitivity of the camera sensor. More on that in a bit. Well, there you go. I've done it. I've said it. The thing that I've had wrong for quite some time. That was my answer, and this is the talky bit. But before I go on, if you have a question you would like me to answer, head over to photographyexplainedpodcast.com where you can find out what to do. Yep, I know, a podcast episode all about ISO. Now, I am, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've got to do this. This is important, okay? And yes, the shock about it doesn't change the sensitivity of the camera sensor. Now, this might be semantics, um, but it doesn't. That's it. I'll come on to that. Let's start at the beginning with something non-contentious. What does ISO stand for? Well, ISO actually stands for International Organization for Standardization. No, it's not the International Standards Organization, which, which would make more sense. And yeah, that's what I thought it stood for. So, oh well, every day's a school day. So that's two things I've learned in this episode, which is good. ISO, International Organization for Standardization. Standardization, easy for you to say, Rick is an independent, non-governmental international organisation with a membership of 168 national standards bodies. Now, that's their words, not mine, and you can find out more about these good folks at their website, which is iso.org. That's where the statement came from, and I have to say, iso.org. What a great web address. I'd love to have that. But I don't, I don't need to say any more about these good folks, to be honest with you. I must stop saying, to be honest with you. <laughs> Not in a What is ISO in Photography podcast episode anyway, so I'll move on. So where does ISO in Photography come from? ISO in Photography comes from the camera film days, and I'll come on to that in the What if I use a film camera bit? Um, yeah, and then I had a rethink and thought, actually, I'll do that now, because don't worry, there's a reason for this, and don't worry about the references to film camera. If you've got no, inter no interest in film camera, it's still relevant and it helps me to explain this and hopefully it will help you to understand it. I've just ad-libbed a bit in my script there. So, what if I use a film camera? Right, let's do this at the beginning. Simple, ISO is absolutely fundamental as you buy camera films with different ISOs, or speeds as we used to call them. 
And this is the old school general rule of thumb from when I used to shoot film. So these are the films that I used back in the day. ISO 64, high quality, high quality slide images. I haven't taken a slide photo for over 30 years, so excuse me for not getting that basic word right. Now that's quite a low ISO value. And the film, the, the slide film I used was called Kodachrome 64. Makes sense, doesn't it? ISO 100. Now, I use that for general day-to-day photography. ISO 400, which I used for fast-moving subjects and in lower light, and that was two stops faster than ISO 100. And finally, ISO 1600, which I used in lower light only, and that's four stops faster than ISO 100. I'll explain the stops bit in a bit. And that was it for me as a film photographer. Yeah, I might have used... ISO 3200, but that was in extreme circumstances and probably only once or twice. So I never needed to use higher ISO values and not even for night photography because there's other ways, there's other ways of doing things. So that, that's me from back in the film days where ISO was nice and easy to understand and it made sense and that was that. So like I say, bear with me on the film examples because these numbers, they will help explain how this has ended up in the digital photography world and hopefully it'll simplify this for you because it did make sense back in the day of film and you could argue the case that now it makes, well, no sense at all. Why the different camera film speeds? Simple. ISO 100 was for general day-to-day photography and if I needed to take photos in lower light I'd need a higher rated ISO film to be able to get the correct exposure when shooting handheld. So shutter speed. If the shutter speed using say ISO 100 was 1 15th of a second according to the camera meter changing to ISO 400 film would mean that I could use a shutter speed two stops faster which would be 1 60th of a second which is fine for general handheld shooting. And if I wanted to photograph something fast moving, ISO 400 gave me a shutter speed which was two stops faster again, so 1 125th of a second would become 1 500th of a second. And if I went from ISO 100 to ISO 1600, this was a four stop jump. So in that case, you could change from 1 15th of a second to 1 250th of a second, or from a quarter of a second to 1 60th of a second, or from 1 125th of a second to 1 2000th of a second. I'm just <laughs> I'm just hesitating there because I spent some time trying to get these numbers right and I quite often get them wrong. But but you get the idea. There's lots more examples. There's lots of other reasons why you'd want to change the ISO. But on what I'm talking about is how I used ISO and film speed when I was a photographer taking photos with film a long time ago. And then, yeah, sorry, I might as well mention the aperture mightn't I? Well, same applies. A higher ISO film allowed me to use a smaller aperture at the same light levels, adjusted using stop increments. But in bright lighting conditions, you did not want ISO 1600, as the camera film would be too sensitive to light, resulting in overexposed photos. And that's where ISO 100 came into play. So there is a there's a perfectly logical and sound reason behind these numbers. And this is the origin of ISO in photography, it's camera film speeds. And I'll say again, I use ISO 64 slide film and ISO 100 or 400 film for general use. And that probably covered 95% of all my film photography. And I dabbled with ISO 1600 film, but no more. Actually, thinking back, I don't think I... No, I did buy some ISO 3200, but it was rubbish. Well, the photos I took with it were rubbish. I shouldn't blame the film, should I? 
Important thing to remember this, it's it doesn't need to be that complicated. 100 ISO general day-to-day photos, 400 ISO faster moving stuff and when the light's a bit lower. Now, there is a bit of a problem with this, isn't there? That you need to know what the light's going to do before. Oh no, I'll come on to that. No, shut up, Rick. So let us not... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, f- I forget what I've written, which which concerns because I only wrote this yesterday and today I'm recording it. Anyway, let's 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 try and let's try and keep going. So let us not forget this. We can apply the principles of what I did back in the film days to now and digital cameras. And that is this, at risk of repeating myself. ISO now is a camera setting that we can adjust to change the exposure. Change the ISO and the aperture and or shutter speed and you can get a correct exposure using different camera settings. Why do we still have the term ISO as a plane flies over? Somewhere going somewhere nice hopefully. And the gardens aren't in yet. I've tried to get in early today to peek them to cutting the grass and chatting outside my window. Next door's garden is not mine. Sorry, why do we still have the term ISO? Well, I broke well at the start of that sentence, so I'm happy with that. Well, film cameras evolved into digital cameras, and all these terms from pre-digital days came from those days. You need to remember this, that not that long ago, digital was not even a thing. So, so we bought ISO from the film days into modern digital cameras, which, with hindsight, might not have been the most logical thing to do, in my opinion. But I do get how and why this happened. There is, there is a logic behind all this evolution. It's not as though photography was starting from scratch with digital. It moved from film to digital and everything had to move over. So there's a massive dose of hindsight to all of this. So ISO was the sensitivity of the camera film and is now the sensitivity of the camera sensor to light, sort of. The big question, does changing the ISO change the sensitivity of the camera sensor? No, it does not. Change the ISO from 100 to 200 and you are making the image twice as bright. This is done electronically. You're not changing the sensitivity of the camera sensor. That's fixed. You're using a different ISO value to make an image brighter, in the case of one stop, twice as bright. And this is being done electronically. Now, this might conflict with what you understand, but <laughs> it does for me as well. So let's, let's, let's get this one sorted. See, that's it. Think of ISO. This is, this is how I got my head around this one. Think of ISO more as an amplification of the light that has reached the camera sensor. And in a bit, I'll give you an even better definition from one of my, one of my subscribers. So there you go. There you have it once and for all. And in big bold letters, I've written this. To be clear, the aperture controls the amount of light that gets through the lens opening to the sensor. You can make the aperture larger or smaller, letting more or less light reach the sensor. The shutter speed controls the amount of light that gets through to the camera sensor by varying the amount of time that the sensor is exposed to light. You can change the time by using a faster or slower shutter speed, letting less or more light reach the sensor. Aperture and shutter speed control the amount of light that gets through to the camera sensor when you take a photo. ISO changes how the camera sensor processes the light once it has reached the camera sensor. That's the big, big difference. It's a big difference and it's an important thing to clarify. But what does this, what does this really mean? I mean, you could argue that nothing changes. If you thought that changing the ISO changes the sensitivity of the camera sensor, so did I. I thought that and having looked into this one properly, it doesn't. 
And the, that fact, it doesn't really change anything. The principles and how it applies to what we do stay the same. So nothing changes, but I've got a great change to suggest here. This is one of my modernising photography things. A great change would be to change the term ISO for, I don't know, brightness. That would do nicely for me. ISO as a term in digital photography is not helpful, not anymore. If you're a film photographer, it makes perfect sense. But I suggest to you, if you're taking photos with a digital camera, it does not make sense. And I'll come back to this in a minute with my alternative proposal. <laughs> I've been, I might have been overthinking this one. <laughs> what is the ISO range? As with aperture and shutter speed, there is an ISO range. This is it. Dull section alert. So the ISOs are 100, 200, 400, 800, 1600, 3200, 6400 and onwards. That's enough, isn't it? And each of those adjustments is one stop. So going from ISO 100 to 200 makes the image twice as bright. And I'm going to come on to this in the next episode. Right, what does the number actually mean? I have no idea what the ISO number 100 actually means. Shutter speed, get that, it's a known definite thing. Aperture, not really sure what f slash 2.8 actually is and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't concern me, I'm fine with this, but let me give you my alternative brightness scale. This is my proposal photography world. Get rid of ISO, call it brightness and this is my scale. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I know it's genius, isn't it? But if you think about it, it would serve the same purpose as the ISO scale. It wouldn't make any difference. You could call it Bob, Frank or Eric and it'd still work. It just doesn't make any sense anymore to me. OK, so that, <laughs> that was the difficult bit out of the way. I've been, I've been dreading some of that and I'm expecting some... Um, I'm expecting some comments on this one, but let's do some practical stuff, shall we? Yes, why not, Rick? Which ISO should I use? In general terms, the lower the ISO you use, the better. But what's wrong with using high ISO all the time? Well, you get digital noise in photos if you use a high ISO setting. And noise is a bit like grain. It doesn't look good. And the higher the ISO you use, the more noise you're going to get. And I call this noise digital bad stuff. <laughs> Digital bad stuff, it's great, isn't it? I've called it that for years, though. If you've got a digital camera, you can, you can very quickly do this yourself. You, what you need to do is this. You take a photo at the lowest ISO that you can to get a correct exposure. And then do the same thing using the highest ISO that you can to get a correct exposure. And thinking about it, it might be best if you just go to the highest ISO that you can select on your camera and find somewhere where the lighting levels are low enough that you can get a correct exposure. And then take a photo, and then use the lowest ISO number that you can to get a correct exposure, changing aperture and shutter. And then compare the two, and look in the shadows, and you'll see bad stuff there, probably. And you might be surprised how much there is. So, we don't want noise in our photos. It's not good. We don't want it. But having said that... Blurry versus noisy. Well, it's better to get a noisy photo than a blurry photo. If you have to use a higher ISO to get a sharp image, that is better than using a slower shutter speed and getting a blurry picture. No one outside of us photographers know what noise is, but everybody knows what a blurry photo looks like, don't they? 
So if the only way to get a sharp photo is by pushing the ISO value to a higher number, then do that. And let's not forget, you might be able to deal with the noise in whatever you use to edit your photos. And there is some pretty effective noise reduction software out there, but, but it is, of course, much better to get things right in camera. You can't, you can't, well, people will tell you that you can, but if you've got a blurry photo, you can't make it sharp. I don't care what anybody says, you can't make a blurry photo sharp. But you can renew, reduce, oops, or, or eliminate the noise in a photo. So, blurry, no, noisy, better. Better to have a noisy photo than a blurry photo. And again, this is all about how you use these different combinations of camera settings to get your photos. But using a high ISO is not the recommended approach all the time. Use the lowest ISO that you can that allows you to take sharp photos. Or put your camera on a tripod or other device and the problem goes away. I mean, this is what I've always done when there's not been enough light. And I know it's the old school way, but this is how I take all my photos, which I will tell you later, of course. What is a good ISO? A low ISO. <laughs> not surprisingly. Or what is a bad ISO? A very high ISO. Next question. Do I change the ISO before the aperture or shutter speed? No. Get the exposure that you want using the aperture and shutter speed. And if you can't get a fast enough shutter speed, for example, or you can't get a small enough aperture, then you might need to change the ISO to get the setting that you want. But start off with the aperture and the shutter speed, and then the ISO you change if you need to afterwards. That, well, that's how I work anyway, and it makes sense. When should you change the ISO? Well, when you have to, when it's too dark, when you can't get the camera settings that you want. And let's not forget, if it's really bright, so on a sunny day, you might have to choose a lower ISO to stop getting overexposed photos. So too light, too dark, or when it's your only way of getting the aperture and or shutter speed that you want for a photo is when you change the ISO. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I could go on, well, I will go on. You could change the ISO to enable you to use a faster shutter speed, either to eliminate camera shake or photograph something moving quickly. God, I do go on here. Or you could change the ISO to enable you to use a smaller aperture to get more depth of field, or to use a larger aperture to get less depth of field. What I'm telling you here is that there's lots of things, <laughs> there's lots of different settings and combinations. So a high ISO, there's a reason for it. A low ISO, there's a reason for it. It just depends on the aperture and the shutter speed, the light, how you're taking a photo, all that good stuff. And it's these variables that make it so important to understand all this stuff and how the various camera settings can help us to get the best photos that we can. That's why it's more complicated than we might like it to be. Talking of complicated, well, what about the different camera modes? Well, mirrorless cameras and DSLR cameras, they've got many different pitch-taking modes. Now, you've got automatic modes where the camera chooses the ISO for you. Basically, you don't even worry about it. But there are some automatic modes where you can choose the ISO yourself. In semi-automatic modes, aperture priority and shutter priority, you choose the ISO. And in manual mode, you also choose the ISO. Right, a term that came to me late in the writing of this episode, which is quite important, and it really actually it, it helped me with uh, the big bold statement at the beginning. What is base ISO? Well, the base ISO is the ISO where there is no amplification. I believe it is ISO 100 on my Canon 6D. So logic tells me this is the ISO that I should be using, and I am, which is good. And it's a low ISO setting, which also makes sense. 
So the base ISO on your camera is where there's no amplification. So if you change from that ISO up by one stop, that's a doubling of the brightness by amplification, not by changing the sensitivity of the camera sensor. I hope that makes sense now, and that little bit about base ISO, that was the missing part of the puzzle for me. What? <laughs> now for another question. Why is it still called ISO? Well, it's a great question, and I don't know. Right, I think I'm done there. Talk a bit over, so what if I use a phone and not a camera? Hmm. I still have an iPhone XS. Yeah, still not upgraded, for a very good reason, which I'll explain in due course, if you're interested. Now, I can't change the ISO using the default camera app, which is the camera app I use all the time. But what the phone does is this. This is how it works, apparently. It tries to choose a low ISO and a fast shutter speed, and that makes sense, doesn't it? That's what we all do. But using the Lightroom mobile camera app in Pro Mode, I didn't know I had a Pro Mode until I was writing this, and I thought I'd better have a look. I can change the ISO from 25 to 2000. I didn't know that, and I've never done it. And I tend not to take photos using the Lightroom mobile camera app. I, I, I don't. There's no reason why not. It's just that if I'm taking using air quotes real photos, I use my camera. Something I need to look into that because uh, there was a. It's got full manual Lightroom mobile camera app, so it's worth a look. Maybe that's an episode. Or, no, it's not. Shut up, Rick. Right. What if I use a film camera? Well. Unusually, I covered that at the very beginning, and there was a reason for that, so just one more thing I'd like to say here. If you need to change your ISO, you have to change the camera film. That's it. You've got no other choice, so you need to know what film speed you need before you start. And when we were taking photos with film because we had nothing else, you'd put in 100 or 400 because well, I didn't use anything else most of the time. And if the light wasn't bright enough for handheld, you had to do other things. So you had to work it out using aperture shutter speed. You didn't have ISO. Well, you could change film, but if you'd taken two photos, you'd lose the rest of the film. And I've been told that you can, well, there are some cameras where you can rewind the film, but I never managed to do that without rewinding the film all the way in and not being able to get it out again. So you start off with ISO 100, you're stuck with it till you're done. That's pretty much it. So these days with digital, it's an extra adjustment that we've got that we didn't used to have. Right, what do I do? This is what I do. I use ISO 100. I take as many photos as I can with my full frame camera on a tripod. I only change the ISO when I have to. I use aperture priority mode, which is AV mode, and I'll use the lowest ISO that I can to get a sharp photo when shooting handheld. I will use just going to put a full stop in there. See, when I write a script, I publish the script as a blog post on the Photography Explained podcast website, which is genius, isn't it? Just found a typo, though. <laughs> I will use the lowest... <laughs> Concentrate, Rick. I will use the lowest ISO that I can to get a sharp photo when shooting handheld. In low-light conditions, I simply put my camera on a tripod. I never use high ISO values. And that's ISO for me. See, it doesn't have to be complicated. Oh, sorry, yeah, I forgot. Then there's, there's taking photos with my phone. What do I do then? Well, I don't even think about it. I just do not think about it. I just press the button. Oh, well, <laughs> it's not a button, is it? It's an area of the touchscreen assigned to, to taking a photo. I just take the photo and move on. I don't, I don't think about it. Oh, I didn't know I could change it until I wrote this episode. So clearly I don't. 
Right, a new bit, a new bit I'm delighted to include. Some thoughts from listeners and subscribers. So this is subscribers to my weekly email, that is. And the question was this, does changing the ISO change the camera sensitivity? So, Naylan, incorrect answer. You thought the same as me, so we've both learned something. And Terry in New South Wales, spot on as ever. Great knowledge. You knew this. I didn't. And finally, Stephen Kansas, who gave us this brilliant explanation. Much like increasing the volume to the stereo speakers doesn't change the speakers, but the strength of the signal. So, great analogy, Steve. Thanks for that, and thanks for the permission to use it and, and to use your name in the, in the podcast. Talking of emails, if you'd like to receive a weekly email from me, and why not, eh? Just head over to rickmacavoyphotography.com. And if you'd like your thoughts, including in a future episode of my podcast, just head over to the podcast website and let me know. Okay, some thoughts from the last episode. Episode 156, what are shutter and shutter speed in photography? Just one thing to say, I didn't get off to a great start on this one by describing it as episode 155. So that's another new mistake I've found to make. <laughs> so not a lot more to say, really. Move on, Rick. Next episode, it's, it's episode 158, and I'll make sure that I update that when I do the new script. I mean, all that's left for me to do now is go back to the exposure triangle where I put together aperture, shutter speed, and ISO. And I'm really looking forward to that because I tried to do this in episode something like four. Far too early, what was I thinking? And then I had another go at it in episode 27, but back then I was restricting myself to 10 minutes, so I had no chance, did I? So I'm going to give it just this exposure triangle. No title yet. That's to be worked on next. Okay, well, ask me a question. If you have a question you would like me to answer, just head over to the podcast website, photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash dog, where you can find out what you need to do. And if you just want to say hi, it'd be great to hear from you. Okay, that's that's all. Right, another error in the script here, only because of the timing. This episode was brought to you by, um, for a change, a cheese and pickle sandwich in shock horror. No, Chris, well, no, it wasn't. This episode was brought to you by a bowl of fruit and fibre and a coffee, because I'm recording this early in the morning, because it's looking like being a hot one here, and I don't want the noise of the fan in the background, so I thought I'd get the recording out of the way now. All consumed before I settled down in my homemade, acoustically cushioned, technologically sound recording emporium. Today's acoustic treatment, two pillows and two hoodies. Yep, it works a treat. That's my optimum combination. And that is where I'll stop. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast. It says here. And for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. Now, I think this one might be 24, 25 minutes long after I've edited out the mistakes and all the other bad stuff. Take care. Stay safe. Cheers from me, Rick.